Hey, Merlin, we're on. Hi, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I'm good. It is afternoon, huh? Look at that. Yeah, wake up. Time to go. Yeah. Oh, got to get going. Let's do it. Sorry. I was I was into that. Yeah. I got to calm down, Dan. What are you eating? I didn't eat again. I made tea. I got tea and I got water. I'm making extra. You know what? I could eat one of these nuts. I haven't. I think this might be stale, but I'll try one. You did you? You said you did. I can I mention what you said in your message to me? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> First of all, you misspelled it, but you're, you said I know. Well, your, the phone spelled it for me. I wanted to say it like yeah. the razor. No, I'll be sandbox soon. What, <laughs> your version of a galette? Now, what is that? That doesn't have, that doesn't have any weed in it. Meatloaf. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> you do me make meatloaf without any uh, gluten. Yeah, it's it's made of meat. Mm, I'm not going to eat on the air. What's a slight misnomer? <laughs> that you people won't be eating it. on the air, you mean? People hate it when you eat on the air. <clears throat> do you know their architects listen to the show? Hmm. Architect. I heard that's a made-up uh, profession. That's a te- terrible, terrible paying profession unless you're independent, is my understanding. You're basically a project manager until you hmm. open your own firm. I heard that's true for podcasters, too. It's very true. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to own this racket. People hate... Hang on one second. Mm. 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 Oh, God. Mm. What are you mm. doing down there? Oh, God, all of that was for two almonds, and they were stale. Um, Doing good. Eating. Galette. Architects. Okay, let's go back on the stack. So, here's the thing. When I make meatloaf... Okay, but you got uh, you want pretty good quality beef and pork. People forget the pork. Do you do the pork? Uh, I don't. I don't know what she puts in there. Could be anything. She could be You're, poisoning me or making me healthy. I don't know. You know, most uh, deaths by poisoning are by women. Men don't poison. They, they do. They oh, stab. Very rare. Right? They stab. Yeah, or they just uh, they just roll their eyes. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Um, now, when I make that, and this is from an old, uh, an old family recipe passed down from I don't know who, but um, I, I used to do it with um, uh, usually beef, you know, in, unless you're getting fancy, and then you can get beef slash veal slash pork. Um, but usually, I, I put an egg as a binding agent and uh, you know, various spices and, and breadcrumbs. Now, you don't put any breadcrumbs in. No. What do you substitute for breadcrumbs? I don't know. El- elk, elk crumbs. You get them nice and dry. You I toast them a little bit. I don't think she puts anything like I'm that. I'm antler shavings. Is that, hmm. So your your daughter's doing all the cooking now? <laughs> Not yet. That'll come in handy though. Can't wait for that. She is That's the best. Awesome. She is the best though. Is it fun? You having fun? Yeah, sure. It's it's a busy time, but it's yeah. a lot of fun. She's finally at the age. You know, she laughs. She, How old is she? Uh, How old is she now? Six months. Oh, see. It's a great time. Six nine six nine, six weeks nine weeks six months nine months. That that's that's uh, to me. I've heard that that is the uh, that's the that's the steps on the fun ladder. And uh, in my experience, it's true. They're useless at first. It's com- they're completely useless at first. You can't even use them as a doorstop. Who wants a doorstop that cries? <laughs> you can get that from Think Geek, you know. <laughs> a doorstop that cries. Yeah, it might be the only female sound in your whole house. I mean, apart from your talking slave Leia. <laughs> For the average Think Geek customer, you mean? I, I have to tell you, I, I, I admire that company and that catalog and those products a lot. I think they really get 
And I'm not saying this in a sarcastic way. I mean, you look at stuff and you're like, oh, that's, that's clever. Yeah. You know, the stuff they come up with? It's clever stuff. How much of it do you think they come up with as opposed to stuff that it's like stuff they discovered? It's a good question. Like maybe they got like buyers that are out there canvassing for cool new stuff. Mainly, my, my mainly is Japan, they, you would think. Oh, sure. Sure, sure. They follow orders over there. <laughs> Big week? Not really. Me neither. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to do the paleo thing. It's hard because if I have a bad day, I want noodles. Noodles, noodles to me. Noodles to me are chapter 12 on a bad day. You know what I'm saying? We're a noodle family. Now, my wife, my wife has gone hardcore. She's all in. When did you start it? Well, this, this time, this go around. Yeah. It's like Mark Twain says, like, something like, I quit smoking uh, several times every day. Um, <laughs> no, she's, uh, she's all in. Actually, uh, no, don't be creepy. I think she's at Costco right now. Um, not the one in Daly City or Coma. Don't be creepy. Um, she's, uh, she's going all in. I think, I think we're going to start doing this. It's really hard with a kid. Now, d- does, uh, does little Jay uh, roll uh, paleo? Yeah, oh yeah, from day one, always. No rice, no noodles. I, can't, I mean, there's different, you have to decide how strict you're going to be, and you also have to descri- decide how, learn how the different things affect you. So, you right, know, so you might have, you might have like possum rice. Like, well, some, some people, like- some people on the paleo diet, I guess, oh, would, would have some rice and limited, we, we don't, we don't typically, and he doesn't have any rice, but wow. I, mean, I know some people that on occasion do have a little bit of rice. The main, the main enemy, the main thing to keep in mind is the, the gluten. Mm-hmm. Secondarily, I would say probably grains and, and sugar, but I know some people that, including me, that will on occasion have a, you know something made from corn or something that you know maybe is made from rice. It's not something I have right. regularly. And as long as you know how it affects you, if it affects you and how, and you're, you know, you're, it, it's, but it's nothing, nothing does the kind of damage that gluten does. Right. If we took that out of my uh, daughter's diet, I think she would uh, eat business cards and iPads. So she's not on it. it, just you and your wife. <laughs> or just your wife, really. I'm trying. It's hard. Yeah. Like you forget, when you forget to eat, that's, see, that's, that's, I'm still deep and stupid. You know what I mean? Like where I don't think ahead. I didn't even go get one of those disgusting hot dogs I eat. <laughs> there might be gluten in that. <laughs> Which is the wiener or the or the dog bun? Well, certainly the dog bun, but yeah. the wiener. There's a great restaurant here in town in Austin uh, called Frank, which does all kinds of like really nice artisan style, like, you know, sausages franks wieners whatever and uh, so good the only thing that they have on the menu there's two things they have on the menu that don't have gluten in them of the hundreds of franks that they make the plain hot dog does not have gluten in it and the gluten-free bun does not have gluten in it all of their other franks wieners sausages brats brats they all have gluten in them I so think the brat might be, be the careful. fattiest of the wieners. I think the brat is pound for pound. I think a brat has more fat than any other uh, wieners. On the paleo diet, that would be considered a good thing if it was pastured and grass-fed. No limit on what you can have there. You, 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 I know it's not your job to correct me on this show, and I respect I will, that, I And guess. I will never correct you. I, don't, I will not play tricks on you either. Hmm. 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 I'm just I'm, ne- I'm just thinking about brats. I'm thinking about fat. I'm thinking about wieners. 
I don't want to get. I don't want to go down a rat hole here. Now, now, rat. Can you eat a little bit of rat? If it's I, like I, breastfed, I, I've never done that. You don't correct me, but but I, my hand to God. One time, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to go like get that wagyu crap. But I did order from you know not uh, what's that uh, that place everybody orders from for the meat. It wasn't that place. You know that one place. That Omaha place steaks. does ham. It, it might have been Omaha steaks, but it was an Omaha steaks like thing. I think I probably read something on a website. Donald Trump does uh, steaks now. Really? He'll do a Trump cutlet? <laughs> but it's not, it's not breaded, right? No, it's not breaded. Right. If you want it with the toupee, it's an extra five bucks. <laughs> he claims there's no toupee, and he, pull, he pulls it to show you. Yeah. Kind of yeah, tugs it. <laughs> right, right. And Penn and Penn and Teller shoot each other in the mouth. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, now, now, I told you my experience with grass-fed, and I just want to say this is going to be another really, really above-average show. Yes. Is, is, um, is, I thought it tasted like fish. I thought it tasted like salmon. Do I have some kind of a palsy? Like, why would that... Would I have dropsy? Like, what was that? Why would... I don't, do I have I don't salmon know. dropsy? Like, why, why would that... Why would I eat a supposedly grass-fed piece of uh, beef and think it tastes like uh, fish? I, don't know. I didn't wash, probably didn't wash the pan. I wonder if it's fish-fed. You have fish-fed meat? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But you discourage the cow fed meat. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So 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 not a big week, huh? Not I don't know. How about what do you think? Whatever you say. So, I mean it's your show. Yeah. I guess it is. I don't know. I think I I I I've had a good week. I told you I'm rebooting my career, so I'm so I'm thinking a lot. Um uh that's a really stupid term. But I've been thinking a lot. <clears throat> and um and uh I haven't been doing much. Like I said, I, I've been playing with homebrew. Boy, that's a heck of a thing. Oh yeah, it saves time. Great time. Oh my saver. god, it's it's. You know what? We're not gonna do it again. We're not gonna talk about technology. We gotta talk about something else. Now, you, now listen. Let's go straight to the meat here, so to speak. I, I got a note. I got a note from one of our colleagues. I got some notes. I'll just tell you that it was a very, very, very long email. Who, who's it from? I don't know. Very, did, is it something I've? Who, who, seen? who on the five by five team would send me a very, very, very long email? John. Was it John? Josh. And um. Anyway, uh, we're talking about the show. Show, and, and I, I haven't read the whole email because it's extremely long. But uh, I, I, I glanced through it. I mean, until my f- battery ran out, and uh, the sense I got from it was: remember <laughs> when I was going on about the uh, the, uh, the the questions and answer stuff? I think this is his sly way of saying I like it. Like everyone, I like it better when you let Dan talk. I don't have an opinion on that, but he he says uh, he likes the ones where we come in not knowing what the answer is, which I think is kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, I don't like talking about the show on the show. Too meta. Yeah. Especially when we call it meta. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, have, I, you know, I have ideas, but I think I'm not going to have ideas anymore. I'm going to leave it to you. What do you want to talk about this week? It's your show. Do you have anything you want to talk about? You want to talk more about meat? I could talk about uh, homebrew. I had a heck of a time. Uh, I had to uninstall Fink and uninstall Mac ports. Oh, yeah. Well. I felt bad. It was like throwing out, throwing out old magazines. Fink. Fink. <laughs> is that the one? Was that a, it's a, bla- a blast from the past? Well, that for... used to be the way to go. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I told you about like the week I spent trying to because you know GCC wouldn't work on. I think it was Leopard or Snow Leopard, and you, you should have seen me. It was it was like a cat trying to type King Lear, <laughs> sitting there like in the terminal, running between all these sites, all these mailing lists. You know what I mean? I'm trying, trying to find out like what line I had to change in yeah. a file to make GCC work. And I don't even know what those letters mean. I think it's a compiler of some kind. But, GCC? Uh, anyway. yeah. You cover all this on your other bonehead shows, so we shouldn't talk about this. But I will say this. I will say. Do you say that. GNU or new? 
No, it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, recursive So it's a GNU's cannot GNU GNU GNU's not <laughs> new GNU. It's never going to be funny. Um, Unix jokes are not funny. No. So RM R. Um, my my thought on this is that uh, you know here's the thing. This is a lot like the web. Why am I talking about this? Nobody cares. It's like the web framework stuff and the CSS framework stuff. This is what's great about this because back in the day when I wanted to install Pandoc, which is I think Haskell. I want to say it required Haskell. I had to go through all of these crazy... I think it was Haskell, yeah? Haskell's a thing, right? Sure. Okay, sorry, everybody. Sorry. I, I, um, I, I, you want to believe the acrobatics I went through to try and get... Because you had this had a certain version of the GCC to run and so on and so on. And now today, you go and you get that new dealie they got. The uh, CL... What's it called? Uh, CLT or whatever, the new thing where you don't have to install seven terabytes of Xcode anymore. Yeah, that's that's the the latest greatest thing is for those of us who like to install stuff on the command line, we used to have to install the entire Xcode suite of everything. You just have to install it all, and it would it's, it's a huge download. It takes a lot of time, and if you're never going to fire up Xcode, you're not doing that kind of development. It was overkill. You didn't need it. And okay. there, was a, there was a guy who came out with a thing that let you just install the bare essentials, but you still had to download stuff from Apple. Apple right. acknowledged it and said, hey, you know what? We like what you've done here. We're going to make it supported. We're going to make it legit. And developers can now log in and download essentially a complete thing that's part of what you it's just... like 170 megs versus like literally like gigs. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. Uh, I, I installed the... Because there's all kinds of good reasons to have the developer tools. And first of all, let me just as ever stipulate, A, I have no idea what I'm talking about. And B, <laughs> this is a lot like on NPR on Mondays when they talk about technology. So it's really a question of who we want to insult. Do we, do we want to insult the people who understand this stuff or do we want to insult the people who could care less? And I think we should go for both. So here's the thing. It used to be you had to install the Xcode. Now, installing Xcode on my November 2010 MacBook Air... It's a pretty, that's a pretty mm-hmm. big bunch of space, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's good. You need that, right? You need all the stuff, but like, is it just me or is there no WGET? You don't get WGET on a Mac? No. Isn't that surprising? You'd get to use a uh, curl, curl dash capital O. That's, like, that's, that's o. like buying a really nice house that has like tons of doors and no doorknobs. That's yeah. You I'm, wonder why, it, why would they put curl? I mean, curl is useful too, but to not give you WGET seems like an oversight to me. There's a lot of nerd things that tell you to WGET and then mm-hmm. you get the Found. But here's the neat thing about this, and this is why I say it's like the CSS things and the HTML frameworks, is that, that obviously I don't know anything about what I'm talking about, but like the years I spent copying paste, copying and pasting out of your excellent HiveLogic tutorials, <laughs> like it used to be a real pain in the butt to get this stuff configured. And this is why my path is a mess. Because I had some stuff in SW, I had some stuff in user local, you know, bin, I had some stuff, I, I had stuff in some really bananas balls places that I couldn't even find, I, there were directories I don't think existed. I think they might have been like some kind of ghost directories. And now with this, you do this. I uninstalled all the thing. I got all the Mac ports off. And that was actually a little harder than I expected. I got, now I'm running that, uh, C, I want to say CLR, but that's the stuff you use to clean your car, right? <laughs> CLR clear? <laughs> right. You get two for three to thirty nine ninety five <laughs> if you call now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just so great because like I was just playing around with this new thing that I wanted to try. And it was like, okay, first of all, you're going to have to get Mercury. And so it's like, brew install, HG, bonk. And, it, you know, actually I did have problems with that one because of uh, a recent change. But, you know, you just hit brew install WGET and you're done. And, like, I, I just can't even describe, like, what, an, what another world that is. I know for you this is no big deal because you've lived this. But I've been speaking this stuff phonetically for 10 years and having no idea what I'm talking about. I know, like, five Unix commands. But I know them pretty well. I can PWD with the best of them. <laughs> but it's just so cool that, like, there's so much great stuff you can try now. And it doesn't take a 10-page tutorial. Do you know what I mean? I do. 
But, you know, it, it, um, <clears throat> we should mention in passing uh, that you did a great episode of the talk show with uh, Gruber and uh, Squidward was, was on as a guest. Yeah, he was on. Kid. It was the real him. Yeah, it was really good. It was it was a really good show. Like like I think like a lot of your uh, uh, tag team mashups you've been doing, but um, you know when you talked about the sandboxing stuff, it was really interesting. And John talking about how now you know, like we kind of guess maybe there could just be like a directory for an app. I mean, but we're still going to be able to do the terminal stuff, right? I mean, that's not going to go away, right? Well, I, I mean, it can't, it can't go away. I mean, what do you do? Do you sandbox Unix? You can't. Can you? I made a crack about this, but can can you can you sandbox homebrew? That wouldn't work, right? Uh, I, sure it would. Sure it would work. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, even it's just so cool and so interesting to me. My theory, which has been disproven time and again by people like Apple, I have to say, my theory has been that most of the in, companies that I'm interested in that have gotten more successful over the last what ten or fifteen years have done so by becoming. Mm, I hate to say open because that's such a loaded word, but by becoming more, let's say, open to what customers want and open to making it less difficult to get yeah. their stuff. Yeah. It's not like they're just giving stuff away all the time, but they are making it easier and easier to, to do this stuff. And, and a larger pattern, obviously, for me, would be like the iPhone. You know, like somebody just sent me a, um, you know, a provision profile deal. They use this iOS app. It's like, it's just so great that you can just put this stuff on and use it. You take your phone everywhere, you know, you just message me on my phone and then I got a ding on my computer because it was a Google voice thing. And like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's interesting to me that like, whether you, the record companies I'm always beating up on or somebody like Amazon or whoever, Google music, like Grooves was talking about, it seems like the bigger pattern in general is moving toward more, what's a better word than open? Uh, access, not accessible either because that's loaded, but just easier to get to. You know, people are understanding where where to move the cash register. Some people. See a comic about uh, trying to get. Uh, yes, that was awesome, and I feel the same exact way myself right here. That was, I mean, I had that same conversation with myself and the little demon and the little about, angel about game of, about Game of Thrones. Yes, because I yeah. missed a whole bunch of episodes when it was on. I actually. I'm in a worse situation than that guy because I have cable, mm-hmm. but you still can't. And I live in a place where they don't have that HBO to go or whatever. It's I don't called. know if it started with a comic or I saw it somewhere else first. Maybe a comic that got made out of somebody's remark. But the the nut of it is somebody goes, "Oh my gosh, Game of Thrones! I want to go! I want to go pay for this and watch this." Yeah. So can't do what it. Was, what was what was the first layer in the stack? Was go to um, I forget what was the first one. But, you know, you go to iTunes, Netflix. Sorry, Netflix, not available yet. iTunes, not available. Amazon, not available. In this case, they went to BitTorrent, and, like, now it's available. Right, in five seconds. Mm-hmm. It's weird, because, I, I mean, again, there's a reason I, I, uh, I never have any money. I'm not a smart person uh, who's good with money. But, it, but it's also that, like, it strikes me that it, when you reach the point where you're trying to find new ways to hide your product from people, like, I don't think that's a business model that has longevity anymore. You can go all the way back to that overused and abused phrase about how information wants to be free. I mean, you know, I think free is in speech, maybe. But um, but it's, it, it's it, I don't know, it's kind of funny to me, especially when you get into this movie stuff. And don't they have deals now? Did Netflix just cut some new deal where, like, <laughs> for your convenience, it's now going to take longer to watch these things? <laughs> Didn't they just add a new thing where <laughs> you're going to... It's just weird when your business development deals consist of getting stuff to people later. <laughs> that just seems so strange to me. Anyway, I don't know. Computers are funny. What are you excited about right now? Hmm. Anything you're excited about? 
No, this is a very this is a very dark uh, time for me. Very much a heads down, very grim, focused time. The high holidays? <laughs> no. Medium holidays? <laughs> no, no holidays at all. Hmm. I've got good. I've got all that server stuff to get done, and uh, it's a lot of like very tedious technical behind the scenes. Uh, coding, development, design, implementation work, and it takes me away from doing the stuff that I actually do like to do and do get excited about doing, which is uh, these the shows and planning for the new shows and all that stuff. What's what's the uh, it's horrible? What's the need or reason reasoning behind all that work? Uh, got to make things better. We got to make make things uh, work better and more efficiently. Have fewer problems, fewer single points of failure. Um, there's been a lot of things that weren't done very well on the five by five site as it is, which unfortunately for better or for worse, I, I wrote that thing myself. So that means I have to implement the new features. And in order to get the new design going, I have to do more on the back end. And then you realize, man, this thing is really horrible and it needs to be fixed. And I've been trying to do that on top of all of the other things that come with running this business and, uh, and doing shows. So it just takes a long, takes a long time. And it's all very fresh, you know, like I don't, I don't enjoy coding really the way I used to. I like parts of it, but there's other parts of it that are just, uh, because I've, I'm not really doing it full time anymore that I'm not really up with all the cool stuff the kids know and the stuff the kids do. So to kind of come in there and do it, it's, it's fun on the one hand. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm making something new. Woo-hoo. And then, uh, you're like, great. Now I'm going to spend five more hours adding tests. It's not so different from things we've talked about on here with a long time ago with, uh, you know, what was that crack about? Uh, I don't know. Somebody said this, probably me, uh, that developers like uh, sharp tools and interesting problems. I apologize if I'm stealing that. But don't don't you think it's true? And, you know, here's the thing. Um, I was listening to uh, TTS and and there's a phrase, uh, Syracuse. Can I get the official uh, pronunciation on that, please? Syracuse. Is it like serrated? Is that correct? Yeah, like sir. It's not. Like yes, sir, Acusa? Yeah, yeah. Syracuse. Yeah, I don't like that. Kind of. Syracuse, well, I won't, Syracuse, I'm, Syracuse, now I'm, I'm not, not saying it right. You know what? I'm not going to acknowledge that. I'm going to fork it. Uh, Syracuse <laughs> uh, used a phrase I'd never heard. Did he call it green greenfield? What did he call it? Like when you get to start fresh with something. Did you hear oh, that phrase throughout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like greenfield. I don't know if he's in the robot, but, but it, he used this phrase that reminded me of, I don't know if this is what he meant by it, and I'm not going to type because it's really loud. But, you know, when you get to start a project out fresh, yeah, sure, you'll make mistakes and stuff. But there, there's so many times when you're working, especially with code, even, you know, even or especially back in the day with websites, even though my job with websites was, you know, pretty trivial compared to the people who had to implement the, the deeper technology. But it was always, you'd always think about the cruft of a project and all the stuff that built up the spaghetti code, if you like, but all the hacks you had put together. And the thing is that hack was really made for this one database problem. And now, you know what I mean? You, you, you just go like, God, I just want to throw all of this out and start completely over. As I know I certainly feel that way sometimes like in my OmniFocus file, like right now I want to just throw out everything in my OmniFocus file. I want a green field or whatever the term is. And it seems to me that right now what you're describing is not so different from somebody in one of those jobs we talk about, um, which is most jobs, where you're stuck and you got to go fix this thing. And even though, So you're cursed with this thing that you came up with and you're not getting to do that much fun stuff. Like the design stuff you share with me is, oh, you know, I'll just say it's really good. Thanks. I won't say too much until you're ready to share it, but 
But that's the fun part. That for you, that must be the freebie. Like that's the cookie. Under underneath the cookie, though, there's a whole lot of vegetables that have to be cooked and eaten. <laughs> I guess you could. I guess you could say it that way. I mean, honestly, I don't. I don't really think I'm a very good. I'm very good at any of that stuff anymore. I think I was talking to somebody yesterday about that uh, very topic, and I don't think I was ever very good. I mean, I I think I, at best average developer, average designer. Uh, I just happened to be doing it like you were doing a lot of these things when few other people were, or at least the people that were, weren't very vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess that's something, but uh, you know, when it comes to it, I mean, there, there are kids out here today, you know, early 20 somethings, no family, no kids. And they, they're up till 3am like writing code because it's fun for them. And I remember that, like I remember being in, in, in that time frame, that age group. And now at like 10 o'clock, I'm like, <laughs> who's opening a computer now? Come on. You know, like mm-hmm. I just want to stare. I don't know what I was staring at. Was I staring at the sofa? Maybe it was the wall. I don't know why I'm still awake. <laughs> and you know, that, that is a whole different thing because your kids, if you have kids, especially a couple of them, you're doing things where you know, you're running a business, even you're very tired at the end of the day. And I remember that. I remember like people, I was talking to my wife about this. Like, do you, I said, honey, do you remember like when we were in our twenties and it'd be eight o'clock and we'd be like, where do you want to go? Like, it's time to go somewhere. I remember that. I you know, some photos of that. I remember yeah. that. Like, let's, it's time to, we're, we're late. We should be out already. Well, let's go, you know? And, and now it's like eight o'clock. It's like, Hmm. What can I have for a snack? You know, it's time to start winding down. And it's, uh, it's uh, Game of Thrones time. It's Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, your life kind of changes. The focus kind of changes. But th- there are these kids out there who, want, like, they want to write code at 2 in the morning in the dark. Uh, well, didn't you? Did, I, mean, I at did, one point. yes. And well, I, but were... I want to hire that. That's the kind of people I want to, like, I want to hire them now to do this. Mm-hmm. But then you've got to do the, the whole transition. How do you do that? How do you transition something that quite frankly is is a you know spaghetti code and junk and you've got to somehow transition this to somebody get them up to speed right. just to just to write 10 lines of code you know well, spaghetti or otherwise it's your business now and yeah. you can't afford to have that thing just go away right true but i mean there's a couple interesting angles about that i mean i think when you're when you're younger uh, you have more of the, I don't know if it's just energy, but it's definitely enthusiasm and probably stupidity that, that you, you know, well, gosh, I mean, it's great. It's great to be young and have that boundless enthusiasm. When yeah. I made web pages, uh, much to the detriment of many of my relationships, I mean, I, I, my hours were something like I would work a lot from like the evening until 3 a.m. That's like when I felt like I was getting a lot accomplished. Right. And, and I did. I got a lot accomplished. And I, I eventually that, evolved into a job where there was a certain kind of website um, that I could, where I could repurpose a lot of stuff I'd done before and then just kind of polish it for that client. And that was a, that was a good place to be. I have a lot of friends that do that with stuff like Drupal now. But, but the other funny thing is back in the day, um, I mean, like I've said before, when I first started to even try to make a web page load in links, you know, I, this is a real oversimplification. But on the one hand, you had people... So I, I, I would go in and I would uh, telnet in to my server, <laughs> to my server, to, to the Freenet thing at the library yeah. and, or wherever. And the, later was this thing, Polaris.net was the one. Oh, but I, yeah. go in, I would go in there and um, there was CGI bin and then there was a bunch of stuff that said .pl and I, I didn't understand what to do with any of it. 
I've told you before, when I go to the gopher holes and go, ooh, free software, free software found it. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to free software. I go in. <laughs> I would just stare at these like, they weren't even words. They were just letters. And I, you know, got, felt real strokey sometimes. And, um, but that's the funny thing is on the one end, you would have somebody who approached the idea of the, the emerging web, you know, not simply the internet, but the, the idea of a consumer facing internet as expressed by the web, who approached it from the standpoint of the .pls and the CGI bins, right? And, and you know, for that matter, whatever, I guess, I don't know if like my sequel was out then, but whatever, like you, you thought about it in terms of all those things that you'd done, because you probably worked in deep in technology, or, you know, unlike me, who was like a Mac graphics guy. This sounds, I guess, probably obvious to you and me, but <clears throat> what was odd was then for how many years, it eventually would really grind me and you would not even hear this word today, but you eventually you would be called a webmaster. Right. And that had, I don't think that ever had a whole lot of meaning. <laughs> it was like the, it was like the, a term. It's, you know, it's like the way that in, in 2001, the monolith was a shape for something that had no shape, right? That, <laughs> that was like the term webmaster. Like that, that meant that you did, you did the things that put this stuff on the screen. Nobody else in the whole building except that guy, and usually was a guy. That guy understood, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, that was and, it. And that was that level, was a webmaster. But the funny part was your level of expertise could be. I mean, a lot of times in the early days when you said webmaster, you meant somebody who was doing stuff with Apache. Or right. You meant, you meant it was people who were doing you know form.pl or whatever. It was the people who were rigging that stuff together. And I'm just talking about the parts I know about. I mean, much deeper under the surface when the internet was still a whole bunch of little islands that were barely you know laced together. You know, there really was a lot of like underlying technology that people like me didn't understand, didn't need to understand. If Gopher worked, it worked, and I was in good shape. Whereas most of I, what I did was only a slightly more. I mean. I was barely into vector graphics. I just wanted things to look great on screen and print well. <laughs> right. I hated having to move to Quark. Quark made a lot more sense for going to bureaus that did you know, full-on PostScript output. It was a huge pain in the ass to learn. I was much happier in Canvas because I could, oh, you could make this thing and this one has rounded corners. And, and, and that was great. But the, a webmaster could, like I said, it could be somebody who was doing stuff with Apache or it could be somebody like me who knew what a break tag was. You know, he's a, he's a webmaster for our site. And then that would, that could be, your, that's your quote-unquote web designer. Right, it's the person. It's the person who made those pages for your Netscape or for your Mosaic or right, whatever. Right. And then that really evolved. Now today, it just seems like I don't want to say it's necessarily like specialization, but I don't even want to say that it's easier. But it just strikes me that if I were starting out in that green field, and did you ever find out from Squidward what the actual term is? Uh, no, he uh, he is said as idle. In, in oh man. Uh, anybody yeah. else? I'm, I got the Twitter open, and uh, I can't look at the RC. It confuses me. But if anybody knows that term, you know what? Not blue sky. Uh, Greenfield. Greenfield project. Greenfield land. I probably heard it wrong. I was drinking coffee. You can drink no, coffee on, on paleo as much as you want. Espresso, especially espresso. You can't fill it half up with half and half, though, right? I guess that would be third to third. See, they're asking if it's blue ocean, but I don't think that's it. Well, in any case, it, it, I'm envious in a lot of ways, I'm envious of a lot of people for a lot of things. You know, goddamn all of you. <laughs> Blue Ocean. Okay. That's what JXPX7 I don't think that's it. Hmm. Very envious. Very envious of all of you because uh, it just seems so neat to me to, 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 to uh, be growing up in, in, a, in a time when uh, it, it isn't just hacks. There were so many hacks. My whole life consisted of hacks at one point. I mean, my career. My life's always just been hacks. But the, uh, my career, seriously. <clears throat> I mean, think about when CNET I think it was CNET was the first one I remember putting out uh, a two-column table with a fixed width on the left, and then 
you used a repeating background image mm. that created a yellow side rail. And suddenly, vertical navigation was born. And like that, that was incredible. The one pixel trick, like all of that stuff. The, um, I mean, there's so many things that we all came to rely on. Is that it just seems so cool today that you could be somebody who's pretty smart and, and pick up a lot of this in a couple months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Including, I mean, the, the framework stuff with, I mean, when I say framework stuff, you know what I mean? I mean, anything like all the amazing shake and bake things for HTML5, the CSS frameworks, the things like Less and SAS. Now there's an app, I think you were talking about, there's this one app now that you just point at all your crap and it just spits out a, a sensible thing. Like it puts your JavaScript together. It fix, it runs all your, your Less and SAS stuff, you know, through the robot. Anyway, I just think all of that, you can tell I go really deep on all of this stuff these days. But now in your case, you got a business to run. You're a guy. You you have uh, you're, you're you're at your house with the ice cube walls, and so do you, how much? So are you just catching up? Or are you also thinking about the future when you when you make these changes? Again, it's all about the, it's all about the future. It's all about it. There's nothing the site can't handle right now for today, by and large. I mean, some of it, but it it's you know there it's fixing problems and it's trying to avoid potential future problems. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to go like to uh, you know inside info here. No, but, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what you mean. Me, me neither. Okay. But but um, but it's in, back in my time. It was as simple as creating a new file that was something.html, yeah. and you could scale your website. That's what it meant. Right. I mean, unless you were one of those poor bastards running off like a home DSL connection, you can always tell when you go to those sites. Um, but but in your case, you you are you trying to think? Are you thinking about stuff like CDNs, load balancing, yes, all, all that, that kind of, of stuff? Of the really? Above, yeah. Ugh. And that's not something you just hand over to some kid who's up at two in the morning. No, you no, you can't. And you know, there's there's different ways to do it, and a lot of it uh, for me because I don't mind. See, I don't mind delegating. I don't mind handing things off. I actually like that. And there's there's a lot of people who, when they have their own business, they're very well, nobody can do this job as good as I can, or nobody will pay attention to, to detail the way I do, and nobody cares as much as I do. And those things are always true, I think. Always true. Uh, nobody will care as much about your business as you do. Mm-hmm. Nobody will have the same level of care and attention to detail, typically, that you have, un- unless they're equally vested in whatever it is that you're talking about, and the chances of that are almost nil. Well, and, and if they are somebody who's going to be freelance or a contractor or whatever, well, what they understandably, like us, really care about is their business. Yeah. Right? We're back, then we're back to this problem of agency and like yeah. who you can trust. Agent, that's can, right. That was a great can, episode. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty good. Who you can trust stuff to. Um, but this allows me to slightly sneak in an idea for a topic from last week, which was the, I don't know if I ever explained this to you, but that idea of what I was calling economic indicators and how, um, and again, I'm, I'm not an economist, but you hear people talking on, uh, on the radio and in papers about uh, leading and trailing economic indicators or lagging economic indicators. I'm not going to bother to try and explain that because I don't understand it. But I do know this much, that there are certain kinds of things that we can look at in the economy that tell us, that tell us about what's happened in the economy after it's already happened. Right. And then there, I'm going to just go ahead. I had a note on this that was actually pseudo useful. Okay. There are some things we can look at that will tell us, you know, so basically we want to understand the state of the economy. Let's look at it that way. How are we doing as whatever as a country or I guess usually or whatever? Um, 
And you got things like, uh, here's some examples, leading economic indicators. These are things that tell us what's going to happen before it actually happens. Examples they give here are building permits for new private mm -hmm. housing, you know, average weekly hours, uh, manufacturers new orders for non-defense capital goods. I'm literally reading this. But I mean, think about this. I mean, if people suddenly start hiring a lot of people for construction, well, you don't have to be a Harvard graduate to go, oh, well, that probably means that they're getting orders to make new stuff. Right. So what are the kinds of things that we see that tell us where it's going? Now, in your case, your leading economic indicators might be things like, well, you know, I can see that these numbers are growing and eventually I might face things like, you know, if, if you uh, get the equivalent of a Gruber link, like you want your site to be able to hold up. Right. You also might want to have better tracking. Get rid of that Apache crap you've been, you were using in the past. No offense. But, but you know, the leading indicators will tell you like what you should be, you know, what, you know, sort of what we can expect to happen in the economy. But the other kind of thing is, is what they call lagging or what I've heard called trailing economic indicators, uh, things that will tell us how the economy is based on stuff that's already happened. So think about the number of people who are filing uh, for unemployment and things like that, um, how long people have been on unemployment. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, and I told you this, I've been thinking about a lot of this with, with my own stuff that I do. And I wonder um, for myself, you know, how much of the work that I get is based on stuff I've done before? Like, not necessarily for the better, right? And how much of the stuff that I want to make in the future is based on where things are going? Because, and I, I realize I'm abusing this a little bit, but in your case, it seems to me that you're trying to be some sort, somewhat forward-thinking about this, right? Yeah, well, I'm trying. Well, like, if your site crashed a lot, um, you'd really be in trouble. Because yeah. now... Like you, you would really be playing catch up instead of saying, here's where I'd like this, this to go for the sake of argument. You know, I want to say like, like here, I either want to have, you know, what, let's, what's a good example. I want to have 10 times more properties, 10 times more shows or 10 times fewer shows, right? Which really changes what now that changes the whole architecture of how you do the site. If you want the way if pages start having sub pages, well, that's the thing you got to think about now. Right? What? What if? What about like? And you've handled a lot of this well already. Like, what if somebody's a guest on somebody else's show? Yeah. This all sounds like silly stuff until you really think it through. Until you, as we say, walk the coastline. That's a lot of stuff to think about. So, if you're just fixing a site to make it like hold up better, that's really different from the amount of planning that you would have to do to make it work in the future. I don't. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I think that's an interesting metaphor. You know, what? does that make any sense, Connor? Yeah, I like this. I like where you're going with this. Well, like for me, for example, <clears throat> like, uh, like I can come think of a couple of things. Like I did that 43 folder site, which I, I'm planning to do more with in the future. Nudge, nudge. But, um, but like how much of the stuff that's made people interested in what I do is based on stuff I wrote five years ago versus stuff that I have done, you know, six months ago, right? And so, you know, uh, the example I can never turn away from is like Hollywood Squares. Well, you were just, on that? No, I'm, I'd like to be. Me and Whoopi, you know, we hang. But like, think about it. Like, like, how many people on Hollywood Squares are on the way up? <laughs> Let's be honest, right? <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. You don't take some hot new talent and put them on 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 Hollywood Squares. Yeah. Hollywood Squares is at best what they would call a coincident economic indicator. I think it is far more likely to be a lagging economic indicator. Like, if you're on Hollywood Squares, I don't know if you're going to get the lead. Uh, you know, in, in a like uh, get with a Brad Pitt like romantic comedy. You know, Char I don't yeah, think Charlie yeah. Weaver and Paul Lynn were, were getting a lot of A-list roles, you know, in 1978. <laughs> Paul Lynn, by the way, fascinating guy. Um, but, on, but on the other hand, I mean, you could look at something like in my case, if suddenly there's this, this rash of interest in me speaking somewhere, or if there's a rash, you know, in, in our case, if suddenly, okay, here's an obvious one, like if people want to sponsor the show. Right, like sure. that's a good. If we suddenly get a lot of people who are inquiring about that and want to 
have spots. And by the way, you all should always contact us if you'd like to be on here. Um, but you know what I mean? I, and I probably took us off, off trail already. But I wonder how much everybody thinks about that. You know, and in this, to me, this gets very much back to stuff we've talked about before with obsessing about the past or trying to, you know, not even avoid the mistakes you've made before, but avoid the pain and discomfort that you've had before. And, and you know, and uh, it, uh, the, the, the point I'm trying to make somewhere in all of this is like when you take a data point and try to figure out what it means, I think it's useful to figure out if it's telling you something about the past or something about the future. And it, it might be both. But I think a lot of times we make decisions about all kinds of stuff based on something that happened a really long time ago, mm-hmm. rather than something that could be telling us something about the future. And and this is what separates. I hate to keep always falling back on Jonathan Colton, but, but or you know Amanda Palmer, whoever, somebody who's looking at what the next thing is likely to be for them and where they're seeing interest. This could be people who sit and look at their Google Analytics stats and notice that writing about this topic gets them more traffic. That's not a cynical thing to do. If it's a business, that's the kind of thing you might want to report on. But I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I want to go back to talking about the agency thing. Can we do that? Yes. You don't want to talk about economics? You should, save that, for, you should save that for Chartboy. Now, is he, is he an economist? What, what is his background? I don't know what he is. Yeah. Does anybody know anything about that guy? He's just, he seemed to kind of pop up. He has a DeLorean. You're kidding. Well, I don't know if he owns it. Yeah, it was in one. It's pictures of him in one. It's good enough. Huh. Might have been like that 4chan guy when he showed up in the limo. And he might he might have just borrowed that from somebody. Do you even know what country he's from? 4chan? You know what? Don't I don't even know what country 4chan's from. I'm just I'm just saying you should ask that guy some questions. He he can't hide behind those bar charts forever. Or maybe he could, because that'd be Nokia. Um agency. Dan. Agency is this the, the concept of this is comes back to the caring. And it seems to me this is something strange. I I don't know. I don't know if I, if this is true or not, but I'd be curious to hear because you've you've traveled a lot. It seems like if here in America, here in the United States of America, when you find somebody who is deeply committed to something that usually relates to their work, in some ways that that person frequently is thought to stand out. And when you talk about the wow, this person they're so good at what they do, they're they're so committed, they. You all, you have great admiration for a person like that as well. You should, right? Somebody who's dedicated, devoted, wants things to be just right, wants things to be perfect. They found some measure of success relating to that. And you say, wow, this person is a true craftsman or craftsperson in, you know, absolutely in the true sense of the word. And one of the, the things that I, you know, I recall here, I've done a lot of jobs that were, Oh, you know, I don't. I don't want to say like blue collar because that makes that that has a weird connotation to it. But like, clean, days laying laying the railroad, I believe cleaning cleaning toilets in grocery stores and restaurants and horrible things like that. Like that that kind of job. What would you call that? I don't know because I know. You, but like the thing is, like you worked at a grocery store, and that, I don't know if that's a blue collar job because you don't come home come home like smudged with coal. Right, but it's really disgusting. Yeah, it's working like a disgusting at, job. <clears throat> Dirty jobs. How's that? That should be a whole new term. They should, you should talk to Chuck <laughs> Boy. That might be an indicator. Right. Because of you know Kia. No, I'm just saying working in those places is disgusting. It on, is. Uh, on our other program, one time we talked about Arby's. You just never work at Arby's. <laughs> you can write. You can write that down. But what I found in working those jobs, mm-hmm. that the people, especially people who weren't my age, which was in my teens most of the time, 
But people who were older, typically they were furious that they were doing those jobs. They were absolutely irate about it. They were angry about it when they were at work. They were maybe angrier about it when they weren't at work, that that was their job, that that's what they had to do. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that I'm a, you know, 25, 35, 45, whatever it was, year old person, and I'm making hamburgers and this infuriates me. Or I'm underneath a car changing oil, getting covered in hydraulic fluid. That infuriates me. I mean, I knew, I knew more people who were in those types of jobs who were furious about it and hated them. And took that out on the people around them and themselves uh, compared to the, the the number of people that I ran into who, regardless of their station, were thrilled and wanted to do a really, really good job. And I, I remember I took a trip to South Korea. We were there for a couple of weeks and we stayed with uh, with essentially in-laws over there. We stayed with with extended family there. And one of the first things that struck me and, – and this was – again, I'm – it, this is the way it seemed. I wasn't, you know, deeply inundated there the way I would have been if I'd been there for months or years. But this is the way that it seemed to me is that regardless of what the people, the job that the people had there, regardless of what it was that, that they called their job and that they did, everybody seemed to be very serious about it in a, in a positive way. They took it seriously. They did their work with the utmost care they took what seemed to me to be a great deal of pride. Now I'm sure that we have some listeners who are either in, in, you know, South Korea or have been there who, who could say yes or no to this. So to enlighten me, I don't, but this is how it seemed to me that these people care deeply about bussing your your table or (laughs) getting you on the train or driving you in a taxi or get, you know, helping you get your directions straight or whatever it was. And these people came in all ages and all levels. I mean, there were people who worked at at banks who were just, and I know that there's an aspect to putting on a front in many um, Eastern uh, cultures where you you appear, it is very important to appear, whatever, you know, that's the whole thing. It might have, there might have been an aspect to it, but there were people who were doing excellent jobs where people weren't watching, you know, people who were doing amazing work and there was a it it seemed like there were very much a lot of pride and ethics and other things went into this behind the scenes for for those people and in talking to some of the people that i did the the notion that you would do anything less than the absolute best work you could possibly do like they didn't really get that concept like why of of course you would do that if your if your job is to scrape tar from the roof in a hundred degree heat, you got to make sure you get all the tar. How could you not get all the tar off? You know, it didn't matter what horrible job it was; they were absolutely dedicated. At least the the people that I talked to and, and saw doing this. Whereas here in America, it's like you would almost you would it would almost be funny to me. Man, that guy really loves cleaning those toilets. Look at him. Oh, he loves it. He loves getting in there. Look at him getting in people- there. People would think you're goofy. Yeah. Like, wh- how? why would you love such a thing? But, uh, you know, and I remember one thing that just struck me that's a, one of the, the, the strongest memories that I have of my trip over there. Uh, we stayed with a retired uh, colonel in the uh, South Korean army, and, and he was, you know, uh, very distinguished and highly respected. Uh, people knew him as, I mean, he, I don't know how long he'd been retired. Everybody called him the colonel in English and Korean. He was, you know, spoke 
perfect, uh, perfect English could, well, good enough that you could never have a problem understanding him. And he was in, I believe he was in his probably mid, late 60s. And if you're not that familiar with uh, like Korean culture and a lot of Asian cultures, they do a lot sitting on the ground. Uh, they, you, they, when it's, they have multi-purpose rooms, that one room, you can sleep in it. You can put down a little folding table and you sit on the ground, you eat in it, you're entertaining in the room. It's one room, it does everything. They want, oh, you want to eat? Boom, little table goes down. Ready to sleep? Boom, little mat gets rolled out. I mean, it's, it's like very multi-purpose over there. And everything was fastidiously clean. Uh, just uh, not, I would say obsessive, but that wasn't the attitude. It was just mm-hmm. everything must be clean. And I remember seeing this 60-something-year-old retired colonel on his hands and knees on the floor, pushing around a special little cloth to just polish the floor and clean the floor. And he did this every day that we were, that we were there. And like the whole time, like, I, you know, I'm like, should I do this for him? Like, <laughs> but that would have been insulting in a, way, a weird way. And it was like, the, he didn't think twice about doing this. You know, this is a guy who, comparatively speaking, was was wealthy and could have had people to do, but it didn't even occur to him to do it. His wife, you know, who was a few years younger than him, she was doing all the laundry and doing all the cooking and everything else. They were like, they had like Western style table. They were very proud, never used it. They were very proud of it. You know, it was like a status thing. Oh, well, look at them. <laughs> We've got it. I'm like, I'm sitting at the table, you know, but it, it, it didn't even, and this was just, and here... And I, I don't want to bash America. I'm not saying there aren't people like this here, but I feel like as somebody who really, really wants to hire people, I really want to hire people and delegate to them. Like, how do you how do you find that level of caring and quality, which over there seemed very much like it was a, a, a given, and here it's it seems like such a challenge to connect those dots between we really need to have this on Friday and like. Why didn't you do it by Friday? Why did you forget about it? It was your job to do it. How could you forget about it? You know? And that's that's what is here in this culture. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that. There were plenty of jobs I had where I didn't care. So um, what's the answer? Do you, do you see that? Do you see that as related to before I um, <clears throat> try to answer it? Probably the most sprawling uh, series of uh, forks that we could take. Uh, what... Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of angles on that, and I think it's all interesting to me. Uh, do you see that it's tied to agency? It sounds like you're going somewhere else with that. Agency. You think, agency. <laughs> you think that has to do with agency? Yes. These things? Yeah. Tell, why? Well, I think at the, at the end of the day... Oh, oh, agency as in, like, you're not, you're not, um, you're not making this part of your deal. You're sort right. of counting on somebody else to take care of it for you. Right. And that's, and this is, this is where I get to sound like a really disgruntled, angry, bitter old man, Good. Uh, which I don't, I don't think I, that's me yet. Maybe. Uh, but it, it seems like maybe it's a generational thing too. Uh, like, like maybe the be and you know, or, or maybe it's just me. Like when I, by the time that I graduated from college, I had already been working part-time since I was 13 years old and I was already had a full-time job in my field before I graduated because I couldn't get there soon enough. 
you know, and I was doing part-time side work and freelance work alongside of the job. I had my first company selling computers when I was still in high school. You know, I, I, when I graduated and was in college, I was building and selling like PCs and supporting them to the people who worked for, with me in the building that I was in. And that was like one way I got money. And then I started doing web stuff on the side and I started doing all this other stuff. It like, it was, it, it was a given that that's what I had to do to get to the, to, to where I wanted to be, which was independent. I never, you know, and, my, and all along, you know, my wife's like, well, is this ever going to turn into anything? Because you spend so much time on it and half the things and more than half the things I did, they just, you know, they failed. That, well, that went nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'd finally find something that would work and I'd do that and, and, and work on building it up. But for me, it was a lot of trying things and failing, but I always had that drive. I guess that's what I'm talking about is a drive that even in the jobs that I didn't like until later when I had really become like bitter and cynical and, and a hor- horrible employee at that point, because I didn't care about anything. I mean, I would still do my job and probably the job I was doing was still good, but it didn't meet my own standards. So I should clarify what I mean when I say a, doing a horrible job. Mm-hmm. I was not living up to what my own standards were. I was still do I think probably doing a good job to be but honest. But it sounds like also what you're saying though is like if I go into this place I have a certain level of what I would expect of myself if I were making a sandwich. Right. And if you give me this thing that, that doesn't even look like a painting of a sandwich <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed because yeah, yeah I, I got to eat that thing. Uh, but also it's surprising that you wouldn't put more care and um, investment. Right. When you find, when you are using, you're talking about your sandwich, when you go to a restaurant and and like they do a great job on the food. It's not all like slapped together and the plate isn't dirty. You're like, wow, man, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to come back here. This isn't like the regular places. Right. You know, it's like this is like, oh wow, we found this gem of a restaurant. Really hope they don't change it. Please don't change it. We finally found a place we can go. You know, because the it and it, and when you find that, it gets such recognition and it it should. But that's because there seems to be this attitude of just not caring. Not caring. <laughs> hmm. I mean, it's your show, and well, talk about whatever you it's want. It's your show. I will. Um, the, the part that I, I would never begin to address in a way that wouldn't be. Um, I just want to. I want to bracket this just by saying I, I think there's an element of this that I don't want to get into that has to do with things like like money and benefits. Uh, first of all, I, I mean, I, let's just, it's, it's luckily, it's not a super important part of this t- to me. I'm already in trouble by saying that, but you know, th- there are certainly places or kinds of jobs where you go, you know, actually I'm not getting paid that much and they took my benefits away and therefore I am a sucker if I work any harder than this. And I, I got without naming any industries, uh, you know, I would never want to mention industries like uh, government and education, <laughs> but, but, but if I did, like there's a certain disincentive to really go on heads down on something because, well, you know, it's almost like the, the somebody on the line going, Hey, slow down. You're, you know, you're making us look bad that, you know, in the same way that there are companies who, who see a business model and making it harder to get their stuff. I think there are some people, and my wife's had some of them as direct reports, who's, uh, who, who feel like it's, it's their job to push back against everything and to basically make everybody make a case for why they should do anything. Mm. And then when they do it, they do it really slowly. Right. And, see, I, I don't have... I don't have like, like, they a, have like a grudge about it. Right. Yeah, or like, you know, that's... You know, I, I, so that's the part I don't, I don't feel comfortable getting, although I think it can be important or it can't be excluded. But the, the second level up, I think there's another level of just culture. 
And um, I mean, one part of this culture, like what you just described, I, I haven't traveled a lot, but there's two countries I've been to where I felt like I saw two ends of the spectrum on this. In one case, I'm almost positive it was financial. And in another case, I think it wasn't. Uh, not long ago, I was uh, somewhere uh, in a, what I would call a second world country. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was, actually became comical. The, the level of service. <laughs> and there was a joke, which was that like every time we went anywhere, the joke became somebody doesn't get one. So there was a chair missing or there was a fork missing <laughs> or there was always, there was nobody ever finished anything. You'd ask people for something and uh, the, 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 the word that came to kind of encapsulate my entire visit with, with these folks uh, was, was the following. Okay. So you say anything, you ask a question, you say, um, would it be cool if I got a fork? And they go, Okay. <laughs> or you say like there's like there's literally human poop in my bed and they go Okay? Cuz like this there's this but there's this combination of like uh I don't understand the question and this will never be done. <clears throat> now that's that's one place I went which I will not name my name but it was it was a delightful trip but on the other hand, when I was in New Zealand, uh, I you know, like you just described, like, oh my God, I feel so honored that you didn't give me a filthy cup. Like when I was in New Zealand, I have no idea why. I, I haven't traveled a lot, so this is really just one data point. I was blown away by how hard everybody tries <laughs> at everything in New Zealand. Now, now again, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just going to square that against most of my experience being from suburban America. Yeah. Where most people are, like kind of wandering around going like, this is going to be good enough for, for what I'm doing. But, you know, take that cultural thing and extend it in, in two directions. First of all, in, in the Asian culture you're describing, I think there is a lot of what you might call dignity. That there's a lot of, you know, dignity is a word we don't talk about anymore. We talk about pride. We talk about status. We talk about followers. But we don't talk about dignity. And, and dignity is the sense of self you have that doesn't rely on other people agreeing that you have dignity. Dignity is what you have and F you if you don't think I have dignity. I don't even have to say F you because I'm a dignified person. Um, and, and I think that's a concept that we've sort of lost. And it certainly isn't helped by like getting your junk. Somewhere out there, Gruber's got a pretty good movie of getting my junk uh, uh, tested at uh, TSA. He took a movie of it. They got, way, they got way in there. They got right into the split. They got deep inside the camel. I, I think that takes away your dignity, obviously, because <laughs> you start to feel like, oh gosh, I'm not allowed to have self-esteem. But it goes, but dignity goes beyond self-esteem. Dignity, dignity goes, it's, it's self-esteem, but it's also having a sense of who you are. But think about this, though. I mean, the people that you described in South Korea or people that I've met in New Zealand, those people in New Zealand, they take, they take freaking 20 minutes to make a stupid cup of coffee, but it's a really good cup of coffee. If you ask anybody to do anything, they're like, they take it really seriously, like not in a morose way, but they, they really want to help you out. If you go to an actually nice hotel, not merely a hotel that acts like it's a really nice hotel, like every single person in the place has a certain carriage and dignity to their work. So it doesn't matter if you're a cigarette butt guy. It doesn't matter if you're cleaning the toilet guy. Like, you know, you're, you have that dignity because that's who you are. And you're not sitting there in the moment evaluating whether this cigarette butt is going to make you higher or lower class. Whereas I have to say in the United States, and again, for reasons that are understandable, please don't occupy me. But, you know, in the United States, there is this story that we all believe in. And it's a good story, but that story is we're always moving up. We always deserve more. There's even is something as stupid as why do you think people buy lottery tickets? People want to be, they want to have more status. They want to have more money. They want to have more respect. And so we're always looking for the thing that helps to explain why our dignity hasn't arrived yet. And, and why, why the job that we have and why the job that we perform, let's say, for our occupation, uh, we always have our reasons. 
again. So I'm not, not to say you won't meet people. Like I've met, I've met like shoeshine people who are like, I'm like, oh my God, I don't deserve this. Can I please give you more money? Because I don't have the dignity that you have. But you also think about the dignity of, of your dude, <clears throat> right? The, uh, the guy, the guy in, uh, in South Korea. Yeah. And then I always come back to this. I, um, and, and when I talk to companies, I tell them this story and they always kind of giggle. <clears throat> I go, yeah, right. But uh, my, my first housemate when I moved to San Francisco was the food and beverage director at the Ritz-Carlton here in San Francisco, which is a pretty nice hotel. And uh, he told me something that has really stuck with me and, and guides when I remember it, a lot of how I operate. And, uh, you know, there's the whole, Ritz has various like sort of external outward facing slogans, but at least at that time in 1999, he said, and he looked, he was really serious about this. This was not BS. This was how they, how seriously they took this. He said, uh, as an employee of the Ritz Carlton, we believe that we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Hmm. Now, again, now I'd say that a company, everybody giggles. Oh, we sure aren't ladies or gentlemen, but like stop for a minute and like think about how differently you would treat, first of all, your customers. If, if you acted like a gentleman, in my case, with somebody, even when they were acting like a tool, like think about how that changes. You, do, you get a certain sense of dignity about what you do. Right. So first of all, like, you know, it's almost like when you, without saying it in as many words, you want to always give people the chance to do the right thing. You want to give your kid the chance to behave like somebody their age or ideally older, <laughs> you know, to sit still for five minutes while I'm trying to eat my goddamn dinner. Not that I'm angry. No. But you know what else you do? You start treating the people you work with like ladies and gentlemen, which, which gets into my wheelhouse big time. But anyway, I don't want to beat that to death. But I think what you're describing, in some ways, it's very cultural. It could be very financial. But the thing is, there are people who don't make a lot of money that still find a way to be dignified. And, you know, to me, a part of, a part of that dignity might be, hey, you know what? If I feel like I'm not getting enough money, I need to go talk to somebody about this in a dignified way. Mm. You know, I'm always using that phrase, overusing that phrase, especially as a hypocrite who's not really an adult, you know, treat somebody like an adult, act like an adult. Well, maybe what I'm saying is act with a little more dignity. Like if we had dignity about talking to the people that we work with, why would there ever be a problem about talking to somebody about how our meetings go? Or in your case, talking to a developer and saying, here are my expectations of what I would like you to do. And I mean, so I don't mean to derail it, but I think in that sense, though, of, of what you're describing, there could also be things like obligation. I feel obligated to do this. Like this is a family business or I have to do this because somebody in my family is ill. I think there's a lot of reasons why people do and don't do certain things. But I'll tell you, man, if you've ever tried to buy anything in a department store in, in London, there is a lot of surplus dignity in those stores. <laughs> <laughs> really to a fault sometimes, you know? Yeah. But I, I, don't know if that, I don't know if that gets into it, but... The other factor, which I said earlier, is that when you talk about working with other people, you have to always keep in mind that their priority is not your priority and that you have to find the people who, in terms of the agency part, people who will be able to align about the thing, align with you, I hate that word, but align with you about the things that you both agree are important and then have that dignified conversation about them about what the terms are for that. And that's really, that's really a long way from rolling your eyes when somebody asks for something without onions and then goes back and like with their filthy hand takes the onions off the burger. Mm. I never had, I told you this, Dan, I told you this in uh, S1E probably six, but like the, the McDonald's that I had when I was in New Zealand, yeah, it was like the McDonald's of my childhood. It was incredible. Now, now I'll tell you this, at McDonald's, it used to be back in the day, you could tell whether it was a franchise or corporate McDonald's based on whether the pickles touched. If the pickles touched, that was almost definitely a franchise. 
because nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But at a corporate McDonald's, they train the crap out of you and the pickles never touch. Josh. Actually, Josh isn't listening today. He's doing something. But I don't know. I, I, I like that dignity idea. Now, this, now, if you want to talk agency, we should talk about this. is a thing I like in a minute. But there's, I, I would love to talk more about agency. But in your case, let me try and ridiculously poorly try to pull this together. In your case, like y- y- you know a lot what you care about. And you know it matters to you to, to not have code that's broken or to have people not have an experience that they don't like. But you've also set your own standards and your rules and your own like sort of borders about it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, but uh, last thing on this from my point of view is uh, having been a waiter. Mm. Like, here's a funny thing. Now, I'm somebody who's always, I, you know, I was probably delivered from my mother's woo-woo apologizing. Like, I'm, I always feel bad. I always feel out of place. I always feel like I'm doing something wrong, except when I am in a restaurant. Because I've worked in so many restaurants, and don't you dare try to tell me something that I know is completely untrue about how a restaurant works. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, don't tell me things like there are, there's not that many differences in restaurants. And if you try to fool somebody who's worked in a restaurant by having some BS about why something went a certain way, well, no, here's your response. If you work in a restaurant, it took me a couple of years to learn this, but you apologize profusely and give them a new one and you take it off the check and you have the manager come out and apologize. That's what you do. You, you know, you don't say, I'm sorry uh, that it arrives that way, you know, yeah. in the package, we can't change it. <laughs> right. That's, but again, now that, again, maybe that's an expertise thing, but I mean, to me, that's, that's, that's in some ways that, that, that is part of the dignity issue, uh, or, or I don't know. I don't know if it's a dignity issue, but like, you know, I would never want to treat somebody like that. I would never want to try to say somebody that I know is untrue. Even if I don't like the people I'm working for, I try really hard not to tell them things I know to be untrue because it is undignified and it's lying, which is, which is not a super cool thing to do with people. Now, you go to the Whole Foods, and that place is fancy. Like, everything's clean and stuff there, right? It seems to be. Yeah. Are people whiny there? At the Whole Foods? Yeah. No. Well, they're all dour. I know, I know the customers are very dour. No, not here in Austin. They were oh. in, in Winter Park. Oh, man. Everybody, Here in Austin, every everybody, everybody, like I, I like I feel weird saying this. Really, everybody's pretty cool here. Man, I should I should visit there. You should. I mean, it's not like they have any events or anything you could go to. I just do everything I can not to go go to Whole Foods. It's like it's everybody in there is walking around looking like somebody just scratched the paint on their Jaguar. They just everybody there just looks looks a little bit angry. Okay, so we got to go for this other thing, but when we come back, uh, which part did you want to come back to? Just so I can write it. Nowhere. Just uh, do do your thing. We'll go start something no, all like, new. Right? We'll start something about, new. What do, you, what do you think about the dignity thing? Do you think there's anything to that? I like that. Are you? Were you listening? Or are we looking at X Men? No, I don't have that on the table right now. Hmm. I got to take this one home. I got a really big. Did you ever buy that X Men kids book I told you about? I did, I did look at it. It's pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. Does that jumble the story a lot? It's a little jumbled, isn't yeah, it? You know what? They do that, but it, it makes it better for the kids. Oh my gosh. I've seen some versions in it. Toy Story books, like those golden books. Oh, it, it, it's, oh man, they take a lot out of it. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, but there's not even, they don't even go to the, uh, like in Toy Story 3, I think they just end up getting lost at a McDonald's or something. Mm. It's not dignified. I'll tell you about this thing I like. Okay. I'll tell you about this thing I like. Yeah. It's called uh, Squarespace. And uh, we talk about Squarespace a lot on here because uh, it's changing our lives. Can I tell you a funny thing that I did? Uh, I'm going to tell you a funny thing I did. This is going to sound really, really uh, dumb and, uh, and, and obvious. Have you ever gone to their features page? Yes, I have. 
<laughs> I, had, I hadn't done this in a while. And I have to admit, in part, it was like, it wasn't so much to go like, what can I talk about about Squarespace? But more like, is there stuff I'm forgetting that I can do that I'm not mentioning? And so first of all, in, in, in uh, I'll keep this short, right? Yeah. Well, people, people complain. I don't care how long you talk about it. Well, people complain about everything, Dan. I know. I mean, that's not Believe me, fun. I know. Most of them yeah. are in the chat room right now. Yeah. They only, they only, they only complain because they want to listen again. <laughs> people, people who uh, aren't going to listen anymore don't complain. They just leave. What, Merlin, what if I, what if I don't want to use some weird squarespace.com domain? What if I want to use my own custom domain? Can't be done. Our thanks to Squarespace for support. Are you talking about the custom domain support? Oh, we, yeah. We, we, we let you map your domain transparently over there, ensuring visitors never see a Squarespace domain when viewing your site? Yes. It's right there under site structure and coding. Now, now, and the reason I mentioned this, you should go to this page because there is all kinds of stuff that I, we couldn't begin to cover even if we talked you know, too much for Van Hoot. But there's stuff I forget about just because I don't use it, right? There's the stuff about the, uh, the audiences and the permissions, the multiple user stuff. But like fields, like I, you don't have to go out and like build your own fields somewhere. Like you can, you can handle form stuff with this, like, like in, in, a, in a pretty nice little, little thing. You know, you can, it's pretty neat to be able to do that. Uh, and it's, it's, it's all built right into there. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but the other program uh, that I do that's a podcast, it's all done with Squarespace. Like it's the entire thing. Like it takes care of the whole thing for you and understands what an attachment is. You don't have to do anything goofy with it. Um, and the thing I don't think about that I should think about more though also is, is people who are looking for more than just another blog engine site. Right. And I, I think this is a place that, I think they're doing this well, and I think they're going to continue to keep doing this better. But it's really easy to just go in and add sections and pages to your site. You don't have to go in and change any PHP to do this. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names. But, um, but it is very easy to just... And really, when you go in and you look at your, your control panel, which I don't have in front of me right now, you'll see that like, if you want to have an area called contact, you just drag that and put stuff in it. If you want an ad hoc page, make an ad hoc page. If you want that to be part of that to be a blog, you make it a blog. And it, it's just... it's. It's such a long way to me from, from where you would have to go in and basically make your own catch-up for this kind of stuff. And then, of course, we always think we never want to leave off the fact that it is very pretty, it is very easy to use, it is very solid. And you know what? Maybe for next time we'll go into this. The features for the serious, serious power users, some of which we've talked about. But I had this super annoying conversation with somebody I like two days ago. Really, really annoying conversation. It's a person that has um, a retail place that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and their site right now, if you were to look for it and look at it on the internet, it's in my case on, on my iPhone or on my Chrome that doesn't run Flash. I turned off, I've got the Flash de-enabler thing. It's a big square on a, on a color background and that's it, right? So it's the single page that this thing has on the internet. You look it up on Google, and you know what it's going to say in the little snippet? It's going to say, update your browser with the latest version of Flash. That's, mm. that's their whole site. It's the I've worst. Been trying, I've been trying for years. And so I offered this to them like two years ago. I was like, please, let me set you up with this. I will go scrape all your pages. I mean, whatever I can get out of the Flash anyway. You're not going to have to call up somebody to go make these changes. These people have to call somebody to make changes. They do not have an FTP password for this. Do you have friends that are in this situation? I'm telling you, I have friends who are scared that they, they can't even get to their site and they don't want to call, they don't want to call Neckbeard because who, know how, how, who knows how much that's going to cost. Yeah. You know, he might have to get a cat sitter or something. Mm. This is what I love. If you want to go in and make your own site and, and I tell all my kids this, I've done this for bands, I've done this for labels. Believe it or not, I actually used to do this stuff for a living. Stop worrying about your design. Your design will be okay. <laughs> You'll get a design. When I say design, don't worry about colors and stuff. Worry about this. Worry about your stuff. 
Get all your stuff if you like normalized. Get all your stuff into a structure that makes sense. And then you can theme the crap out of it. You can do all kinds of stuff. But design is more than just painting something, right? This is, if there's anything you could say about like what people in the user experience field have made us understand, there's a lot more to design than just making it white, right? And minimalistic. And in this case, this is a way where you can very easily get your stuff in here. Now, if you want to go out and hire one of those design guys, well, here, how about, or gals, how about this? Like, they drop in a, a bunch of text into a text area and hit a button, and now your site has been redesigned. That's it. And so, Dan, I got to tell you, I'm exhausted. I'm tired of having to tell these jackals about this. I still see sites that are not on Squarespace. It is very disconcerting to me, including my own. And, uh, and so, uh, I would like people to try this out. There's a special deal right now. Are you aware of that? Hey, some kind of special deal, like something special. This is not like a lot of those jackals. Listeners? Yeah. They don't huh. even deserve it. They don't even deserve it. They're not even voting that much on Showbot. So far, painting. Can we, take, can we take it away from them? Can we not it's give them the promo, promotional code? It's called not for code, Dan. I'm going to make you an index card. Uh, right now, you can go, and you can go too. And I always got to check this because I want to make sure. I, you, know, you know, Dan, one of my core competencies, I don't like to lead people uh, to the wrong things. If you go to squarespace.com slash back to work, there is an offer code that will allow you to get 15% off your first six months with Squarespace. Could you please remind our audience what that offer code is? I believe it is it bulk bag. Bulk bag. No, they have to they have to understand how to spell that and say that. Should that be part of the test? I can't believe we even have to explain this. See, this is that's very undignified. B-U-L-K-B-A-G. And remind me, no, I hate when people say that to me. I'll put that in show notes because sometimes I forget to put it in show notes. But we'll put it in the, it'll be uh, one of the top links uh, on the page is Bag, And uh, you're going to love this. You know, we did this last week, but let's mention it again, um, going in and looking at some of their galleries. Yeah, galleries are the good stuff. Um, you know, the galleries and the, I'm sorry, I'm putting this poorly. The, you know what I mean? The, uh, the samples of what people do. And again, I don't want to oversimplify this. And, and little Ryan can tell me if I'm saying this wrong. But seriously, you can go in and, and customize the bejesus out of this. And you can, do, you can do something as simple as CSS overrides. Like if you just want to change a few things, if you want tables to always do this instead of that, you can do an override all in a text area. Or you can go to totally custom CSS. And I, again, I need to double check this. I believe there's an SDK that you can go hand to your, uh, your fancy designer with the expensive glasses, but it really is that easy. Um, I'm going to add this to the thing. So go to, uh, please go to squarespace.com slash back to work and use bulk bag to get that off. And I hope you'll try it to, to the folks who think this is too long. I'm, I'm, uh, sorry, I guess. Uh, but we only take, uh, we only take ads from people that we really believe in. And when we believe in them, we really want people to use it. Right. You've, you've heard a lot of ads that people don't care about. Like, we care about this. We want you, you to use this because we want you to be happy and have a site you like. And we, 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 have, want, we want Ryan to grow up, you know, and be a, be a man. It's very expensive to raise a child, Dan. I know, but what, you know, I think about his future. Hmm. You thinking like, he's got like maybe like a, like a bar mitzvah coming up? What would you get? Something. What would, what would I get him? Have? Just a yeah. new yarmulke. Uh, would it have like a like cartoon character on it or something? Can no, be, I like uh, it. I like it when they're serious. I like it when they're more serious. Maybe it'd have a small embroidered Torah. Hmm. Torah. That'd be a pretty name for a girl. <laughs> Our thanks to Squarespace.com for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. Boy, I could go on about agency all day. I know. Merlin 2012 service release, uh, service pack, is, is trying not to be bitter about these things. Um, but, but I had a conversation um, with somebody the other day that, that got me thinking 
uh, which is uh, Cincinnati for angry, got me thinking um, about this again. And it's funny, like I, when I've been with like these speaking bureaus who are, who are, listen, no offense, but they're almost all jackals. Huh. They go in and they, they try to sell you the sky. They go in, they sign you up for this thing. We're going to get you this. We're going to get you that. I've gotten... I think maybe two speaking gigs ever out of speaking agencies. And it might be because I'm goofy and I charge too much. But my experience with agencies in general have been, and I, I apologize if you're great at this and I'm just being mean, but my experience is it costs agencies or people who are agents of a kind, people who represent other people, it costs them virtually nothing to have you on board and then not pay attention to you. Because the nice thing about agents or of any kind is that they don't really make money until you do, but they can always re-level their efforts to focus on the people who, who are going to make them the most money. They can always, just without you ever even knowing that it's happening, just look at an Excel spreadsheet and go, well, time to spend two weeks paying attention to this person who brought their entire brand and all of their audience in here. <laughs> so they might love you a lot if you're on fire, but if you're Paul Lynn or Charlie Weaver or uh, Waylon Flowers and Madam, rest their collective soul, I don't, I don't know if you can count on them to keep giving you check-ins and saying, well, here's the kind of thing that I think you could work on to get more out of this. And, 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 I, and I, I don't know if this will tie this together, Dan, but I think this is a problem that agency in all kinds of ways, I don't mean just agents, I mean anybody who represents you. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's a kind of like professional fetishism where somebody only sees you as this one kind of thing. All they care about, they don't care about your career. They don't care about your life necessarily. They don't care about your happiness. They care about what they can make 10% off of. Mm -hmm. And the decisions they make and the focus that they have is, is not going to... In other words, they're not helping, again, they're not helping you build the platform for who you want to be. They're helping you get the thing that they'll get some money from. And as long as you know that, I guess you can handle that well. But I certainly wouldn't entrust a whole lot of people in your life with taking care of that for you unless you, can, you know, know, know that you can trust them not to screw up the 90% that you make by, <laughs> or 80% or whatever by messing up the rest of your platform. You know? Um, agency's hard. We, we should return to that. That's worth coming back to even though we talked about it before. I had another note here somewhere. Deeply committed to their work. Huh. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. I think it varies. And you know what? I've been really bad at it. I've had tons of those jobs where I just didn't do a great job. And, and, and I said this before, but I really think there's a, sometimes there's um, a strong disincentive to do things because that's, I think the dignity part can be a big part of this. Like if you're in a room full of five people and everybody in the room phones it in and rolls their eyes... Like if one of you suddenly is like Johnny on the spot and scrubbing really hard to, to make it look really good, like you seem completely out of your mind because you know that the culture inside of that, at least that five person group is that, that that's just not something we do here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Everybody loves that Chipotle place. I went to that place and I thought it was weird. I thought it, I thought it was super weird. And I thought it's another one of those places where they do a lot of yelling about ingredients. It's like going to that uh, Jamba place. Totally baffling. Oh, there's all these places now that are based like on juice. Yes, yes, yes. Even Starbucks. You go to all these places and their whole business, their whole value proposition is we take a bunch of ingredients you ask for and mix them together and we yell a lot. And that was my whole Chipotle experience. I think they've maybe mastered the art of yelling about ingredients. And I found it a very <laughs> unsatisfying experience. I went in there. They, uh, the thing I got for my kid, bad on me, I got a chicken quesadilla. <laughs> That nearly blew her head off with spiciness, and and I took it back, and they were completely baffled about like about what to do about it, and and I had to go back through the line, and it was like a whole thing. 
setting aside the fact that they do that sous is that what it's called thing where all the food's cooked off site and sent there that looks like it's grilled but it's kind of already cooked hmm chipotle it's the fresh option no it's not it's it's mcdonald's for mexico yeah but uh, you live in a place where they have a lot of other food you live in san francisco well but you know this is where the money part creeps you got a back lot of in. choice yeah, but like a lot of the people don't conference. have that choice, man. A lot of people. Come on. Uh, that's why you go to Chili's, you find a server you like, and you just keep coming back. Huh. Here's the thing, and this is where the money does come into it. I hate to say this, but there's this really, really, really nice restaurant um, near here. Uh, it's run by that that Thomas Keller guy, and it's called French Laundry. And I, I've been there once. It's the kind of it's a real one of those big deal places where you got to get a reservation, and it's it's I don't want to say it's fancy because what blew me away as a poor kid, middle class suburban kid, was how comfortable they make you feel, right? And, and again, again with the dignity, right? This is this is what people don't understand about manners and etiquette. Manners and etiquette is not about being fancy; it's about helping you understand what you need to do for everybody to feel comfortable. And I went into this place and I was terrified to be there because I thought it was too fancy for me. And instead of being like French waiters with a stick up their ass, everyone there was very relaxed and yet very professional. And I'm in there nervous and cracking jokes and being a smart ass. But they noticed everything. They, they noticed everything at the table. You know what I mean? This yeah. is actually classic French service. And this gets us back to the whole, would you like more water? <laughs> what do you think? Do you think I'd like more water? You've refilled my glass three times. And, he, and eventually, one, at one point, I was making a gesture with my finger going, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> of course, I'd like more water. If my glass is empty, just put water in. It's not going to cost you that much. Yeah. Somebody walks up to the table and goes, how are we enjoying our meal? And I haven't touched it, and I'm making a retching noise. Like, there's a good chance <laughs> that I didn't like it. You know, a great way to, to decide if somebody is enjoying their meal is whether they ate it. That's a, that's a note. But it was that kind of place. You go in there and they just notice stuff. People like, like this is going to sound like a dumb one, Dan, but you know this one. Sorry about the kid stuff. Yeah. Like you go into a place and you sit down with a kid and the first thing that they do is bring crayons, a milk, and uh, <laughs> bread or crackers. <laughs> right. Like, you know what? That is a smart waiter. I learned this trick fast because you know what? Otherwise that kid is going to tear the entire restaurant apart, possibly set it on fire. You give it crayons. You're, at least you're getting a start. But you know what? You already scored points with the parents even before anything has begun. You've already scored points because you paid attention to what was happening at the table. And, and I don't think this goes just for restaurants, but if you've had a, an experience like you described with the dirty glass versus the clean glass, and, and, and again, French Laundry is not a perfect example because it's you know, really a top-notch execution of uh, food in every way, but you know they, they do clever stuff and they're funny, but they're not stupid about it. And at one point he made some note about saying that our waiter said our server said something like oh and this is you know got cretaceous salt on it i was like what's the matter you couldn't get us jurassic salt what the hell's good and i'm sitting there doing like like red brick wall stand up with this with this guy and he, he just smiled and a few minutes later he came out with a book from the kitchen <laughs> and not in like a dick way but in like a hilarious way that made the whole table crack up he came out with a book and helped me understand the different kinds of salt and it was hilarious and i loved him i loved him he wasn't trying to make me look bad he was giving me exactly what i asked for Right? Again, the Ritz. I don't know if this is still true, but at the Ritz, like they do stuff like they notice what you eat and don't eat at room service. They write down like you know what what radio station you like when you come there, right? I, I just I don't know. I think I think when you're thinking about like how you want to get great at your work, you know, one thing you could do is learn what you have to pay attention to and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I don't know if that's true. Like in your case, paying attention to the right things at the grocery store means you might get to stop being a bagger and picking up rat poop at 10 o'clock at night. 
Yeah. But maybe not. Again, in the typical back to back can to you work can, point. But I feel like the people sometimes they just don't like they don't get it and you can't teach accountability. Can you teach accountability to somebody who doesn't seem to have it already? Accountability or um, like ownership? Well, I don't, I don't know if you can teach ownership for, to somebody who doesn't already have it. But I mean, I, I just remember if somebody said, Dan, I need, you know, we need you to do this by this, point, by this time. And there was money involved. They were paying me money. Right. That was getting done. And it mm-hmm. was getting done at, at the latest before they asked for it. But again, you're you're working on your own there. But even before that, even before yeah. when I was when I was especially earlier in in my career, when I believed that this kind of thing uh, was the only way to, you know, to get ahead, and I think it probably it is. If somebody, oh, we we need this on Friday. Okay, you'll have it Thursday, maybe Wednesday, right. But think again, and but I think there's two things that are unusual. Maybe you're an unusual guy. Uh, I know you're an unusual guy, but also, you know, maybe your ethic is, is a little higher than others. But again, this is why I say everybody should have to work in a restaurant. I'm sorry to come back to that, but it's a lot of the jobs I've had, and it's where I really learned a lot. And here's what it means to learn a lot. What it means to learn a lot is, is to realize not only that you're wrong, that you don't get to be right, but that the only way you will survive here is learning how we do it. I imagine that's what it's like when you join the Marines. I know it's what it's like when you work in a kitchen. Like, you don't get to show up and hand out copies of the Starbucks book and tell people how the kitchen should work. Right. You show up and you you learn to use the towel if you don't want to get burnt. You learn to shut up. You learn that this the guy who does the potatoes used to be in jail and you probably shouldn't get your hands near his mouth. Like, you learn all this stuff about, here's how you're going to fit on in the team, is you're going to do exactly what we tell you to do. You're going to pick this culture up or you're going to be out on your butt. I read a thing the other day, I forget where, about uh, this being a, shoot, I wish I could find it. Maybe one of the jackals will know. But it's a really interesting article on somebody who was an expediter in like a chain restaurant and what what an insane job it is to be an expediter. Because I think it was like a Chili's type restaurant. But you have to learn. So it's your job to basically take the food that goes out on the line. Obviously, you have to learn the system. And you prepare it for the servers and make sure it gets moved out of the kitchen as fast as possible. But you have to memorize this impossible combination of all the different ingredients and plates and which gets a ramekin of this and which gets a ramekin of that. So like you either learn that or you leave that job. You either get great at that or you leave that job. Yeah. Now in your case, when you're working on your own, everything you bring to that is going to be a certain kind of uh, like artisanal care, right? That's going to be up to you to go in and, and, and decide how to make that really good. But as far as how you teach that to people, <sighs> You should ask John Roderick about that, because I'm sure he could do two hours on that. But I mean, I think, I think John Roderick would say that's because we have a world of 5 billion people who think they're each the most important person in the world. Before, when I w- walked into the first restaurant I worked in, I thought I was going to go in and like, teach them how to be nice to me. But that's not how the restaurant ran. The restaurant did not run great, but it ran. And yeah. every restaurant's different. And the, the commonality in all of them, though, is that you're going to have to just buck up and figure out how, how to make this work. And the other reason I mention it is because of the, the, the dependence between all the different parts of a kitchen and a restaurant in general, like at a good restaurant. Because think about this, like if the person who stocks the shelves isn't paying attention to rotating stock, the person who's a really, really good cook might end up poisoning somebody yeah. if you're not paying attention to that, right? If you're not noticing that that veal Oscar, you know, is from September, and by the way, never order the veal Oscar. That's always leftovers. Um, the, uh, not always, but no, I'm sure it's very fancy where you are. But uh, <laughs> I told you the place I worked, unless the roll had, a, ha, had an actual thumbprint in it, it went back into the drawer. Oh, yeah. don't do that. 
And then after like three three rounds, after it got too hard, we put it in a garbage bag and it was croutons the next week. She had a little bit of paprika, free croutons. But think about that, right? So, and think about this. If the manager is not paying attention to paying the bills, uh, that means the rib roast is not going to arrive. If the person on the line is not paying attention to the fact that this person has a shrimp allergy and like you offer something that says we won't kill you with this, that's going to be a really big deal. If the expediter puts horseradish in the ramekin instead of ranch dressing, you're going to have a really sad little kid. And if the person clearing the plates drops all of the bus tray on an entire, like a, like a six top, that's no fun. Somebody goes in the bathroom and there's a big poop. Now the whole experience is soured. All of those pieces have to work together. And that's when you really, to me, that's when you really admire a team is when everybody understands what their place is in, in keeping that nice. And I, I don't know how you teach that, but to put it differently, I know you can't help but be taught that by being thrust into a situation like that. Yeah. I think it's also an American thing. I think we really phone it in in a way we didn't used to. Terrible. Yeah. So when you clean something, you really clean it. Gotta be clean. Gotta be clean. You're a pretty clean guy. So I've seen some shots of your stuff. Pretty clean. What stuff? Like my... Huh. You take photos of your area sometimes. Oh. Uh, yeah, I've heard you talk about your kitchen. I've heard noises you make. <laughs> want, want to talk about things. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll tell you about one more thing I, I like. And then I would should, like I, to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know about this uh, one password? You ever heard of this thing? Mm-mm, no, what is it? Okay, one password is a service. If you forget your password, you can call them, collect... And they will remind you what your password is. How do I prove that it's me? You don't. Is it like <laughs> caller ID? Yeah. No, no, no. You literally just call and say, it's me, Dan. <laughs> it's Dan. I want my password back. <laughs> well, it's good because I use the same password for everything. No. Yeah, your password, right? Yeah. That's well, spell backwards. D-R-O-W-S-S-A-P. I told you not to say that. Oh. Now, um, Agile Bits is the name of this company up in uh, Canada, and they make uh, they, one of the things they make that I like a lot is called uh, called One Password. And um, gosh, what can we talk about? What can we say in One Password that that has not been said? Uh, some of my novel uses of it. Well, first of all, we should explain what it is. It is a way to uh, across your different platforms, especially between uh, Mac, excuse me, OS ten, OS Mac. What's it called now? OS Mac, ten spaces, right? Yeah, Mac OS X. Mac OS X. Yeah. What, do you, what? Who came up? Who came up with Molo? Was that was that Syracuse? I heard, well, he said it. I don't know if yeah, it came just, up with it. It's just terrible. It's awful, 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 awful. We've talked before about some of these great tricks you can do inside of 1Password. And so the neat part, again, you got an iPad, you got passwords. You've got different computers that use passwords. No more of those tricks you used to have to do. Definitely, please, no more, no more sticky notes. Um, it's, it's, a, uh, it's just a great way to keep track of all that stuff. Secure notes. Uh, please go back and listen to all of our shows to hear where we've talked about these things before. Um, but I want to talk about a, a couple other little tricks that I like a lot. Um, mentioned this one a long time ago, but this is pretty great. Uh, you know, you get your, get your name and password pair. Um, if you're going someplace that you consider a, a very, very high security thing, you want to have a really good password, right? Yeah, you, well, you need to. You want definitely right. want that. Well, you can generate passwords from inside of one password. So first thing, if you go in and type in your, your credentials for a site, one password will say, hey, do you want me to remember this? And you say, yes, please, I'd like you to remember this. But you can also kind of do that the other way around. There's an area that I'm looking at here called generated passwords inside. And so you can go in and say, okay, go generate me. Sort of like if you've probably ever, if you're a Mac person, you've probably done this inside of Keychain Access, where mm. you can go in and it'll tell you how good your password is. Yes. So I can go in, I say, give me a new password. Uh, and I give it rules. In my case, I can say I want this many digits, this many symbols, and then it's got a slider that I slide that goes from one to 50. 
and it'll give me the number of characters in the password that I want. And so let's just say I want to make, just go ad hoc, change a new password somewhere. Now, without getting into it, one password can actually handle that for you on the fly. But I'm just saying, let's just say you want to go make up a password, maybe to give to somebody else, maybe a friend that like needs a better password and you're helping them with something. And as you move that slider from left to right, from, from one character down to 50, it gives you that little terrible, weak, good, excellent, fantastic. <laughs> And to me, when it gets to fantastic, <laughs> I don't keep sliding after it gets to fantastic. Why? why? Just good. stop there. Well, I mean, it's like uh, like a palmite says, you know, with 128 versus 256, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to quote him because I'll get it wrong. But, you know, it's a question of like, do you want it to take, you know, centuries or millennia <laughs> to crack? But, but the point is, like, that's a pretty neat thing. You go in and you can go make, make, make a new password for yourself. But what about this? What if you want to be a little bit more secure and not use your shake and bake username, Right. So, like, if you're always, uh, you know, ChunkyLover69 at Hotmail.com, no, God, I feel bad for that person. But if you're always ChunkyLover as a username and you go somewhere, let's say you want truly plausible deniability and you want to have, uh, for example, a username that's not your name. Well, you can do that. In my case, now I go in, I'm turning off digits, I'm turning off symbols, and I'm telling it to just give me a, let's say, 16-character string of uh, upper and lowercase letters. Well, guess what? Now you got a username that's hard to guess to. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that makes a huge dis- difference. I'm not like a cryptography guy right. or gal. But, but you're, uh, you're, you're making it, it would seem, twice as difficult. I don't know. Wait a minute. Oh, boy. Here it comes. Uh-oh. Here comes the email. I don't know if that's the case, but you, let's say you're going somewhere. You know, like one of those places where like it makes you have a profile page. So like, let's say you don't want to be, you know, bigboners.com. Uh, sorry, better still. What if you don't want to go to nanoboners.com slash chunkylover69? Like, what if instead you went to uh, uh, ridiculouslytinyboners.com slash E-Q-J-I-D-U-L-W-Y-P-R-Y? And that's your profile page. That's kind of a neat idea, I think, if there's stuff that you want to want to go, you know, go deep with. And then, yeah. again, now now... Oh, wait, here's what you're thinking. How am I ever going to remember E-Q-J-I-D-U-L-W-Y-P-R-Y? Well, you're not, because 1Password will take care of that for you. Um, and this is, I just think it's a great product. I, I mean, again, I, I'm always reluctant to repeat, although I think we should repeat. There's lots of tips we've given before. We've told people how to determine what their good and bad passwords are. We could, we could tell you how to go and uh, sort by modify date to go find passwords that you haven't updated in a while. Um, all kinds of great stuff you can do. But um, I would like people to buy this. Would you like people to buy this, Dan? Uh, I think it's mandatory that they buy it. To say that I would like them to buy it, that's the right message, but they, yeah. re- they really owe it to themselves. It's really, Dan, j- just using that, they call it uh, Philadelphia nice. When yeah. he puts it that way. Really, you know, just effing go buy it. Sorry, Canada. Um, and so what I would like you all to do right now in your internet web browser is to go to agilebits.com slash B2W. And uh, again, I just can't get enough of this because there's my face. AgileBits.com slash B2W. And you will see on that page, you can purchase any of the fine family of AgileBits products, including 1Password, Mac and Windows bundle. What? 1Password 3 for Mac, 1Password for Windows, iOS. Oh, the Knox. You know about the Knox? You ever use Knox? K-N-O-X? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to use it. They acquired this. It's really cool. You can go in and and make little secure things. (laughs) That's a technical term. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you can go in and get any of that for 40% off. Four, zero. Do you realize how much that is? That's almost two-fifths. That's a lot of off. That is a lot. Especially in Canadian dollars. 
Oh, they need all the help they can get. Their yeah. money's almost as bad as ours. The ducks? Is that what they have on their money? Yeah, I think it's a duck. It's like a like they still use gold for all of their stuff. So like it's like they if you were to go into a bank and say, Well, I'd like change for this, they actually right. pull out a little bar of gold and they take a knife and they just chip off little flakes chip it of off. flecks of, of, of gold for you. And I understand going, I, that, that they're they're deciding inside of the parliament. They may, may move from the gold standard to the poutine standard. I don't know if that's the thing they're doing soon. Um, Dan, avoid the poutine on your diet. That's all I can say. Okay. So please go to agileopits.com slash B2W. 40% off, one password. Go back and listen to please every episode of the show from the beginning uh, just so you can catch up with us. But uh, it's a terrific product. Is there anything I'm forgetting about this? I think that's all. No, you don't. You never forget a thing. That's what I love about you. <laughs> Which one are you? Pretty much and so, uh And so <laughs> thanks to Agile Bits and one password for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work doodled something here hmm. yeah. made a doodle um we should probably go soon it seems like there was another uh, point to make i think you're different dan i really do i, I think, think i think different. You, no thank uh, you i think you're different oh my god thank you i do i think you're uh i think you're uh i think you're a care monkey I, I think you care a lot deep inside the camel look at that i don't know why gruber doesn't post that it was really funny i got the full i got the full deal i got the full i mean they didn't take off my panties or anything they really got in there. It was when we were going to New Zealand. And uh, I think he shot it on his information phone. But they really got in there. Mm, 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 mm. I'm guessing a uh, half octave higher now. Panning on the sandwich. Um, anything else uh, in this? Because I, I think I'm almost done. Are you almost done? Yeah, I'm all done with you. Yeah. I'm really interested in, in this idea of... Uh, be, uh, first of all, I just want to say, I think the dignity issue is interesting. I'm not a dignified person, but I'm always struck when I meet very uh, dignified people. I met this... Uh, the other night at a party, I met this guy that works with uh, Simpson. And I, mean, I was just struck by how dignified he was. Like, even if he made, like, a Randy reference or, like, a joke, like, it never seemed like uh, he was doing anything to, like, give away a piece of himself. You don't get a permanent piece of me. Like, you get to enjoy me while I'm here. I wonder what it would take for me to be more dignified. After that last episode of Roderick on the Rhine line, I'm not sure I can ever get it back. But I'm also interested in the idea of class, I have to say. I, I think, I think uh, the promise of America, which may have been a stupid promise or an ill-conceived promise or a promise nobody ever meant to keep, but the promise of America was that every generation would do better than the generation before. And at least in the things on NPR I, I've heard, people say that right now, the generation coming up now is going to be the first one where that's not true. They're not going to do better than their parents. And I think for a lot of reasons, uh, I think this has a lot to do with people with why people occupy things. I think people feel a little bit ripped off today. I think they, if they feel like they got sold a bill of goods, there's probably a better cliche for this. But I think there are a lot of people um, who feel like they got screwed out of the idea that if they worked hard, you know, what is it? What is it? Clinton used to say, work hard and play by the rules. Like, but if you did stuff, like if you went to college, you'd get a good job. If you, you know, if you got a good job, you could buy a house. If you bought a house, you could plan on keeping it. And I don't, I don't think this is a new problem. I think it's become a wider problem, but I think people have lost a lot of faith in that. And there is this, weird, I think there is this, forgive me if this sounds classist, but I think there is a certain kind of lottery ticket culture that we have now that, that really, that really says like, I, I just, I, I want my shot to come. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I if somebody offers to have me on a reality show, of course I'll be on a reality show. You'd be like, so good on that. I would never be on a reality. Talk about agency. Oh, like shirt. I don't know if you're listening to this, but you got to tell people your story. Um, being offered, uh, you know, on any kind of show. You know, like I've done stuff like on. I've done a couple of things for public radio, and you know, uh, on the CBC. The CBC actually were cool to work with, but 
even on even on working with NPR, which at the time I was a total fanboy for, like you still get all these notes, even if it's a commentary, you get notes on like on like how to craft it and how to present it, you know, and it's just it just strikes me that that's this is again you know the agency problem. Like there's the class war problem of like or not the class war problem, but the opportunity problem of like I'm waiting for my shot. I think for people of a certain fleecy age, your shot might be having a commentary on NPR. Like your shot might be, I get to be on like, who wants to be the stupidest person in the room or whatever, you know, you know what I mean? Maybe you want to be on Hoarders, which I understand is a television show. But like, who's going to say no to that, right? They have whole databases. You know about this? They have like databases or agencies that do nothing but represent people who want to be on reality shows. Mm. And and like you may see that as your chance, maybe maybe slipping uh, slipping on the uh, pickles at Walmart is, is your chance, you know. Um, and I'm not saying you should you shouldn't like want your shot, but like I don't know. There's something that's kind of sad about uh, getting to a place where like that's where people feel like their shot is. It's not a happy ending, but it, it, it is a bummer. Dignity, dignity. Did that go anywhere at all? I don't even know if that dignity. makes any sense. Dignity. See, we go straight to the bulk bag. I think. I think the take. What's the takeaway for those of us who are not Merlin? Uh, for this this uh, particular episode. Yeah. Then what's the takeaway? What's the grab bag? Um. You know what I'm saying? People who are listening yeah, to this, they're I on do. their they're on their walk with their they're dog. They're, they're driving to work and they're going to turn around, and come home. There are people, people. You know what? I, there seems to be a theme out there. I see this a lot. A tweet. And it's not one. It's not one person that says this. It's multiple people each week. Mm-hmm. I've had to pull over my car during the part where you and Merlin were talking about topic. Yeah, and NPR I, calls that a driveway moment. Yeah, who so calls it what? Driveway moment. They call it a driveway moment. Oh, when they when they do something where they make an old lady old lady cry on uh, StoryCorps. There was one time a guy that I worked for. Um, we it was at a startup. And he was like the one of the top two guys. And I was walking in one morning from the parking lot and he was just in his car. This is a week after he'd shaved his head. And he <laughs> used to have long hair. He used to have like, you know, like shoulder length hair. So it wasn't like me. Like I shaved my head every couple of weeks. This was a new thing. He'd done it all of a sudden. This is like a week later. He's sitting in his car. Eyes are closed. And his head is sort of tilted forward. And I never, I never knew if he was perhaps, maybe he was in prayer, maybe he was weeping. I like, I didn't know. And you can't, you can walk up to somebody and then, but that to me, that's what I think of when you say driveway moment. <laughs> like that's what's going on. It was really weird. Bad. Like, what do you do? Do you say like, are you all right? Because he was in there for a while. Like, I stood there for a little while, thinking, like, should I check on him? What should I do? He didn't move. He didn't do anything. It's not like he was mumbling anything. Mm-hmm. Later on at work, he was like, you know. So that's what we're going for here. We're going yeah. for the bowed head. Yeah. All right. I'm not sure how to bow head. I don't. I don't. Uh, I could try. Um, contrary to what you might believe, uh, there's a surprising amount to be gained by caring more than you think you should about what you make, and by focusing on how you could do a better job of whatever it is you're making. There's there's a surprising amount that you can gain from that. Um, by increasing your own level of quality or taste about something. So try and make a sandwich that you would want to eat. Try and make a sidewalk that you would not want to trip on. Try and make a car that you wouldn't want to crash. And conversely, there is probably more than you think to be lost by phoning all of that in. You do not get any more dignity, integrity, or money from making a bad sandwich. 
you do not, you certainly don't get any more opportunity for the future by having somebody fall down on your sidewalk. And you uh, certainly have a large burden to carry around if you make a lot of people crash their car. But like, if you're one of those five people in the room who feels, who worries that trying really hard or appearing to care or cleaning this thing a little bit harder is going to make you look like a punk, well, then that's not dignified. What you should be doing, in my opinion, uh, is, is whatever's going to make you, um, I don't even know, there's probably a sports term for this, whatever's going to raise your bar. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. do you want to be surrounded by people who are allowed to decide how awesome you're allowed to be? Like, that's, that's no way to live. The way you get out of those five people who sit around wondering, like, who's not going to clean out the refrigerator on Friday? Well, you know, why don't you go clean the crap out of the refrigerator and, and, and be somebody who's proud of what you've made? I don't know. Maybe that beats you down. Maybe that makes you, maybe that, uh, makes you feel bad. I just, I just would not want to anymore at this point in my life. I would not want to live a life where doing something in a really crappy way made me feel like uh, I, I was getting more dignity and status. Because I think there's a lot to be gained. In your case, like you take what you do really seriously, Dan, and, yeah. and you, are, you are a gentleman about it. You don't, you know, you think about Marco, right? Again, while we're always going on with the other hosts. But like it, it matters a lot to Marco to make this certain kind of thing. And just because somebody, a couple people yell out, please go, or not even please, just demand that he go mix it this way, doesn't mean that he's going to go run and do that. Mm-hmm. If you know your own level of taste, if you, if you know your audience, and you know, to use a word I, I have come to distrust, your quality, your level of quality, Reminds me of Tom Peters. Um, then nothing else should matter. Shouldn't matter. You should clean the refrigerator. You want to clean the refrigerator because, again, you know that's that's it's your life, and nobody likes a dirty refrigerator, especially Dan. <laughs> I button this up. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. You got something else? No, no, no. I mean, it's your show. We end end when you're done. We end when you're done. Shouldn't people cry? Here, I'll give him a driveway moment. You want to give him a driveway driveway moment? Yeah, if you can. Think you can? Yeah, I'll do do a little bit of story core. Okay. Do, 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 do. Lester Fensman arrived in the United States with no arms. One of his legs was made out of broccoli. In over 17 years of serving... On New York's busy corners, he finally discovered a way to shine shoes with his mouth. This is his story. I came here, I was so confused about how to make money, and now I don't even know who I'm going to be, but all I know is I love America. I love America. I got nothing. That's really weird. Yeah. You ever listen to StoryCorps? No. They put people in a bus and they make them cry. Do you know how easy it is to make an immigrant, immigrant cry? Put them on a bus? Tell them yeah. they're going home? <laughs> tell them they're not going anywhere. <laughs> Immigrants do not like being kept in a bus. Wow. Yeah, even the dignified ones. You keep somebody in a van long enough, they'll tell you anything. I'm not stopping. Neither am I. Call Neither me than you are. Call me than you are. We'll talk about phones. <laughs> I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. Yeah.